The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time right here. To learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, I wanted to share just a little article I was reading by Stephen Riley. Stephen's actually been on Purse Strings before. You may recall he is the founder and CEO of Vibrant Nation, which really focuses on boomers. So he's a boomer expert. And I was reading a blog posting um, from him on Engage, and it was around how marketing to moms is like marketing to boomers. So I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition. Uh, you know, Stephen's saying that, you know, moms are brand disloyal, well, so are boomers. And he's just fresh off the Marketing to Moms conference. So a lot of his insights are coming from what he heard at Marketing to Moms. And he's saying at Marketing to Moms that he was hearing a lot about how moms have really kind of left their brand loyalties behind, a lot in part because of the recession and, of course, the social media culture. Well, Stephen is saying that, guess what? So are boomers. You know, at one point, Stephen's saying that, Companies thought if you if you got a woman early, she bought your product, she would be loyal for life. Well, we know that's not the case. And as, as consumers have grown older, they are willing to pass by their old mainstays and try something new. A lot of it is because of the way they're connecting with each other and the fact that word of mouth and brand referral holds such value with women. The other thing that Stephen points out is that mommy bloggers are not all 30. Uh, you know, there's a ton of bloggers out there. Mommy bloggers have a hold in the blogosphere. And uh, what Stephen is saying, that millions of women will continue to blog as they age. So there will be a giant wave of boomer bloggers influencing other women after they turn 50. So something to think about there. And then his last point is that marketing to millennial moms through their boomer mothers makes a ton of sense. And this came also out of the Marketing to Mom conference. And uh, saying that, you know what, for marketers, keep in mind that there's there's not that huge, wide generation gap anymore, that midlife women and their grown daughters actually do a lot of things together, like listen to music, shop together, hang out together, and that um, they they impact each other on their choices of what to purchase. So keep in mind that um, you can... You can get to millennial moms through their boomer moms. So really pretty darn interesting stuff. So with that, let's turn to our purse profile today. It is the Kate Spade Shopper. This is a woman, a mom of 35 years old, um, married with three kids in the home, uh, over 600 
thousand of them out there um, have attended some college working part-time potentially. Um, they are very fashion aware, like to be unique, consider themselves optimists, um, and love to seek out new experiences. They indulge their kids for sure with those things that they didn't get. And how do they indulge them? Well, they're shopping at retail like Macy's and Kohl's and Old Navy, Pier 1, Crate and Barrel. They're driving Volkswagens, Toyota, uh, Saturn, and Chrysler. And, oh, Saturn not anymore, I guess. Strike that one. Uh, Chevy and Chrysler. And uh, they're shopping uh, from Kate Spade, hence the name Kate Spade Shopper, Victoria's Secret, Liz Claiborne, and Calvin Klein. When it comes to media, they're reading a lot of parenting magazines, as you would expect. Parenting is tops on the list. Good Housekeeping, Better Homes and Gardens, Entertainment Weekly. Uh, People are all all big magazines for them. They're watching E, Lifetime, TLC, um, HGTV, and Oxygen. And online, they are at iVillage doing a lot of networking with other women just like them, Disney and eBay. Well, my guest for today knows a lot about women, knows a lot about trends in general. Uh, Melissa Levine DeVille is the VP of Trends and Strategic Insights for Integrated Media at NBC Universal. And we're going to be talking today about two uh, pretty big studies that NBC Universal fielded and these startling insights. When it comes to the modern mom, more when purse strings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to shopping. Purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. As you know, being an expert at f- <gasps> what did she say? requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with. F- You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. 
AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Open your windows for a breath of fresh air. WebmasterRadio.fm And hey, Mac, we're here for you too. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to First Strings. Joining me today is Melissa Levine-Deville. She's the Vice President of Trends and Strategic Insights for Integrated Media at NBC Universal. Welcome to the program, Melissa. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, very, very excited to have you on the program. I mean, clearly, Trends and Insights, it's a lot to keep your fingers on top of. If you could, uh, you know, tell us what you do on any given day there at NBC Universal. Well, generally, I have the luxury of being able to explore consumer culture and really just uh, understand what makes people tick these days. And um, it's exciting. So my day-to-day is really about understanding the attitudes and the behaviors and the preferences um, of all sorts of consumers, Um, you know, Generation X, Generation Y, um, talking about the dynamics of families, um, the trends, again, that surround them on a macro level and a micro level. So it's really just digging into consumer culture and then figuring out what that means for marketers and really translating it to our own internal businesses, um, to our best clients, and using that information to inspire creative ideas for pitches for new programs. Oh, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot that you do. Clearly, juggling <laughs> a lot of balls there. Uh, but I know you just wrapped up a new study. I think it was conducted between June and August of this year, and uh, it was interesting when I read about it that you were doing ethnographies with mom, and of course, focus groups with moms and dads. Talk a little bit, if you would, about that study. Sure. It was a really exciting study. We actually did. We started with an online survey among about 3,300 moms and 500 dads, and then followed that up with all sorts of qualitative research, focus groups, ethnographic studies, et cetera. And the idea was to try to really understand who is this modern family that everyone is talking about, and who is mom? Um, We have such a sort of poster child of mom in our heads, I think. For years, it's been that soccer mom. We know that everything has changed. Actually, the census just came out with data this year that said that only 4% of families in America are classified as traditional families anymore, meaning that it's a husband and wife who are married still (laughs) and who have biological children under 18, and the mother stays at home and the dad works, only 4% of families. So we know everything has drastically changed, and there's a lot of speculation as to, you know, what families look like and who mom is, but we really wanted to dig in and understand what new segments of moms have emerged, what are their stress points, what are their aspirations, um, what is the relationship in the family between mom, between dad, with extended family, between the children, and um, and that's what we aim to do. So what interesting tidbits did you find out from all of that great data? Well, there were a few things. Um, there was quite a lot. First of all, we found out it's really hard to figure out moms. <laughs> it is, <laughs> we knew that, though, right? <laughs> exactly. It is really fractured today. Um, one surprising statistic we found was that 42% of Generation Y moms said that they felt isolated um, when they first became moms versus about 24% of Gen Xer moms. 
And I guess that's surprising because Gen Ys are the most connected generation of moms to date. Um, they are the moms that grew up with, you know, a bottle in one hand, a mouse in the other. They were social networking, you know, by age 12, trading things on eBay by age, you know, 13, becoming mini moguls and, you know, highly connected. And then all of a sudden, they're the ones feeling increasingly isolated. And the takeaway from that is that whereas in the past, isolation and motherhood was all about geographic isolation. It was complaints from moms that they were cooped up in the house all day with the kids, didn't feel like they had a social life, didn't feel like they were in contact with anyone but the kids, and didn't have enough time with their spouse. So it was really geographic isolation. Well, clearly that's not the case anymore because 79% of the moms that we talked with are social networking regularly. So they're connected. But what we found was that particularly among the younger moms, the isolation is coming from the fact that there's no shared experience anymore. It's the idea that every mom is so different. Um, moms are becoming, you know, first-time mothers over the course of four, de- four decades. You know, there's four generations um, of, of sort of the span of motherhood right now. And, you know, there's also the idea that there's more single moms. Over 40% of moms um, that gave birth last year or children that were born last year were just single mothers. So, you know, there's this really fractured experience. Some moms are working full-time, some are working part-time, some are working part-time from home, part-time from work, some are working full-time from home, some have dads who are staying at home, and they're the ones that are the breadwinners. So it's increasingly hard for moms to connect with other moms when you get down to this younger generation, never even mind the cultural differences. So there's a new isolation that's emerged, and it's really all about lack of relatability in motherhood today. That's fascinating. Who would have thought? I, as you said, I would have thought it would have been quite the the reverse that they they would have felt more connected um, and honestly more inspired by other moms because they, you know, the whole virtual stranger thing. You know, there's that community with virtual strangers. You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the study was that so many of these moms really are are wanting to embrace the more traditional lifestyle, as you said in your press release that. They would rather be staying at home with their kids than working. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this was um, a really interesting point and very counterintuitive because we are clearly at the most unconventional time in family life ever and in motherhood ever. As I just mentioned, everyone's having a different experience and none of them are you know, traditional. We actually had only one segment out of eight segments of moms that we would really classify as being your traditional mom. Um, you know, the soccer mom that you imagine in your head, the woman who stays at home and is highly involved in everything that her children do. And, um, you know, that sort of modern-day June Cleaver was really only 11% of moms. But what we found that was one unifier across all of these segments of moms was that they were aspiring to traditional values. Now, it didn't mean that they wanted to, like, completely go old school, um, but there were aspirations to have aspects of traditionalism in their parenting. And this, again, resonated across the board from the moms that were classified as traditional to the least traditional moms. So a few interesting points that we found. Um, you mentioned stay-at-home moms. 66% of moms would prefer to stay at home um, than to work. And what's even more interesting is among the moms who are working, 53% of them, a majority, would prefer to stay at home. So there really is this desire to have that stay-at-home experience. And that's interesting because we worked so hard to get into the workforce and now we want to go back home, um, at least for a little bit, a little while. Another stat that we found that was really interesting is we asked moms, you know, and dads actually, both, 
what would you prefer? Would you prefer to have a child with good manners or a child with good grades? And what we found is that 77% of moms and 72% of dads would prefer the child with good manners to the one with good <laughs> grades. I mean, we That's have amazing so, to me. <laughs> I know. And we have spent so much time, you know, focusing on, you know, our children's GPAs and SATs. And now we're saying we just want them to mind their P's and Q's, you know? It's really <laughs> just about please and thank you. Family dinners and family meals resonated high across the segments. The majority of moms really said, I want to make sure that we all sit down together at least once a day for a meal. Um, so, And even when we asked about what type of mom would you ideally like to be, and we listed a number, about 15 different types of moms, everything from you know, the creative mom to the mom who's friends with their child to um, the mom that's highly structured, so on and so forth. What topped their list was the traditional mom. It was the number one type of mom that they wanted to be with 49% of women saying that they aspired to be that. And again, that was strong across the board. So this resurgence of traditionalism was something that um, was one clear unifier in a very fractured marketplace of mothers. That's fascinating. I would have to imagine that that the impact on men is significant, too. If women have changed this much, or at least I perceive that they've changed pretty dramatically in their wishes, I would imagine that dads are probably kind of, uh, I don't know if it's positive for them or negative for them, but were you able to kind of determine what their point of view was? Yeah, actually we were. We asked a lot of questions about um, the family dynamic and who's doing what and you know, who dads aspire to be. And we found a number of different, um, a number of findings that were interesting. One finding is that a majority of dads, 61% of them to be exact, said that when it came to taking care of the kids and household chores, they pretty much considered it to be an even split with their spouse. So in other words, the majority of them are saying, I'm doing just as much as my spouse. Now, moms didn't agree. <laughs> only 20, <laughs> surprisingly, only 27% of moms said that things at home with child care and household chores are an even split. 72% of moms said that they were doing it all. Mm. And here's what's interesting. Only 15% of dads said that the moms were doing it all. Mm-hmm. Now, 24% of dads, right, said that they were doing it all. So the dads were the ones sort of running the show, doing the household chores, taking care of the kids. Only 1% of moms gave their spouses credit for that. So there's a real disconnect here on sort of who's doing what. And it becomes a he said, she said game. And I think the answer, you know, to make sense of all this lies in the relative nature of things. Qualitatively, what we heard from moms is, yeah, sure, on par, probably, you know, my spouse, my husband, is spending as much time doing childcare, household chores as I am. But the difference is I've done 10 things and he spent an hour folding the laundry, making military corners. <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> it's the sense of like, I'm running circles around him. I'm the manager. He's the intern. He's made a bunch of copies, but he hasn't done the important stuff. And I don't think that this gives dads enough credit, but this was a sentiment that we heard in many ways, shapes, and forms. Or another mom said, And this, I really think, um, was interesting. She's like, you know, I told my husband, you are an amazing dad. I just wish you were a better mom. And, you know, here's the thing. It's like moms seem to be expecting dads to be parents as they are, you know, and they're kind of imposing their own ways and own expectations 
a large number of dads said that they felt micromanaged. They felt as though, um, you know, if they give them more freedom, they'd be able to chip in more. So this was one interesting dynamic is the he said, she said, who's doing what, and the relative nature of things. Now, why do dads feel like they're doing so much if moms don't give them credit? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that their dads really didn't do much, right? Mm-hmm. So dads today are thinking back to their own childhood, and they're like, well, my dad didn't fold the laundry. My dad didn't make meals. My dad didn't spend a ton of time shuttling, you know, us children to and from, you know, practices, and I'm doing all of those things. I feel like I'm doing a lot, and they're right. They are doing a lot. They are sort of this modern renaissance, you know, man of sorts. Um, And the other thing I'll just say with regards to, to dads and sort of the dynamic going on there is that, Whereas moms are going more traditional and aspiring to be traditional, dads aren't necessarily going that way. Now, while they do want the kid with good manners to the kid with good grades, when we talked about parenting style, what topped mom's list was, you know, traditional. Dads, they tended to consider themselves right now as parents, you know, as being protectors, providers, um, disciplinarians, so on and so forth. When we asked them what they wanted to be, the biggest jump from what they were to what they wanted to be was creative. Mm-hmm. Um, only only 13% of dads consider themselves to be creative parents right now or creative dads, and 29% of them want it to be. And it put it as the number three style of parenting that they want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and also jumping quite significantly up the list is nurturing. Um, they didn't feel like they were the nurturer and they wanted to be. So we're starting to see this softer side of men emerge and women are kind of harking back to the uh, harkening back to the traditional times. And so fascinating. I, I have to imagine that we as marketers could glean a whole lot of insight from that. What are, what are you saying to marketers about the implications of the study? Well, I think with regards to those two findings that we went through, um, First of all, you know, we talked about isolation, and I think that it's more important than ever for marketers to find new unifiers because, you know, it's such a fractured marketplace that the go-to messages that used to sort of bring moms together, things like, I don't have enough time, or I need more balance in my life, it's not that those have gone away, but it's not that simple anymore. It's not that generic. So we need to really rethink kind of our messaging and find the new unifiers. For example, traditionalism might be a great unifier to put out there, something that would capture more moms than things like being time-pressed or just needing more balance or juggling a lot of roles. Um, But then, I mean, that also speaks to what marketers should do about this traditionalism thing because, you know, moms want authentic messaging and they're not going to resonate if, you know, with marketers who just put a bunch of June Cleavers in their ads. (laughs) That's not what they want to see because that doesn't mirror their everyday lives. Um, even though 66% of the moms that we spoke with consider themselves to be traditional, they aren't traditional. They aren't stay-at-home. They aren't all Caucasian, married to their spouse with biological children, so on and so forth. This is not who they actually are. So I think we need to have authentic representations of moms. However, the messaging, the aspirational aspect of marketing should touch on these sort of traditional points. So it's that careful mix and that careful blend between making sure that you are authentic and portray moms in sort of the unconventional ways because that is becoming the the norm. But at the same time, talking about the aspirations um, of traditionalism to bring these moms together. I guess one last thing um, that would be important for marketers to think about is this new relationship of mom and dad and how they're running the household. Um, Clearly, there's a lot of single parents, so it's not just a mom and dad issue. It's also understanding how mom 
is relying on extended family, friends for support. But when it comes to mom and dad, one interesting insight is that, you know, and a mom actually mentioned this to us. She said, you know, it's almost as if there's a new nag factor. It's not the kids nagging anymore. It's my husband, you know. Mm-hmm. He wants to pick out the kitchen appliance. He wants <laughs> to weigh in on, you know, what extracurricular activities the kids should do. He wants to be involved in these different things. And even though moms and women are still CFOs of the household, they say that they tend to be the ones that make the financial decisions. And we know that women generally make 85% of all purchasing decisions. There is a new consideration and it's what dad cares about. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be really important for marketers to think about. They need to have messages that still resonate with mom, but that take dad into the picture as well. Absolutely. Cannot leave dad out. Just like before, marketers couldn't leave mom out either. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Melissa, and we come back. Uh, We have a little bit of time to talk about another study that NBCU fielded around digital and moms. More when Purse Strings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything from the creators of We Build Pages. Experience the power of the Internet Marketing Ninja. An exclusively trained army of nearly 100 in-house ninjas. Mastered in the arts of social media, local marketing, content creation, SEO reporting, and yes, link building. The Internet Marketing Ninjas will release a new version of their legendary tools to the public. Visit the Internet Marketing Ninjas booth at PubCon 2011 Vegas or visit imninjas.com. The ninjas are coming. Learning how to monetize your domains. Zero dollars. Listening to affiliate marketing tips on your iPod. Zero dollars. Getting the latest search news on your cell phone. Zero dollars. Listening to Dave N. talk about garlic breath. Well, worthless. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. 
And we're back. Joining me today is Melissa Levine DeVille. She's the VP of Trends and Strategic Insights for Integrated Media at NBC Universal. And we've been spending a lot of time today really delving into a study, very, very eye-opening study that NBC Universal just fielded, uh, just, you know, concluded just about a month ago around kind of the modern day family and some implications for marketers. Um, Another study that kind of caught my eye was one you did not too terribly long ago called Digital Evolution uh, Mm -hmm. around how technology impacts women today. Can you give us some quick findings from that one? Sure. It was a really interesting study. We wanted to explore, um, you know, women and digital behavior. And it's not as if no one has studied that before. I think we've seen lots of studies Mm -hmm. about women and digital behavior, but This is a really fast-moving space. I mean, I don't even need to talk about how fast-moving digital is. We all know that from experiencing it in our own lives. But women are a fast-moving target, too. They're changing quite quickly. So the two together is a very dynamic area to look into. And, you know, what we found was that um, up until now, the story's been women are almost keeping pace with men, you know, in digital. They almost have as many gadgets or they're doing as many activities. And, you know, at this point, it's pretty much 50-50. I mean, women are doing as much as men. They might be doing slightly different things, but we know women are connected. What's a little bit new is that in some of the most talked about areas among, you know, digital experts and even consumers, things like group buying and social gaming, some of these new spaces, women are actually driving these spaces more so than men. So it's not like they're just keeping pace anymore. They're actually now driving some of the, the spaces that are trending the most in digital. And I think what's also interesting, when you, when you start to think about what's next in digital, it's, everyone talks about this humanizing of the web, how our interactions with digital are going to become much more fluid to our everyday interactions. It's not going to be an extra step or something tricky. Technology is going to become more intuitive. Um, and these are all things that resonate very much with women. So we believe that women are really poised to really drive the next wave of the web. Um, So there's a number of different findings that we found uh, more specifically. And I think, you know, some of the, one of the most interesting ones actually is that we asked women, if you could only keep three things in your life for a month, what would they be? And we did provide a close-ended list, but really compelling things like, you know, your best friend, favorite food, shopping, so on and so chocolate. forth. Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate was on there. Um, and I personally would have kept chocolate. But what women, what women said was the number one thing was sleep. Okay, not surprising. The number two thing was showers. And the number three thing was the Internet. Um, so, you know, they're pretty much willing to forgo things like sex, shopping, to your point, chocolate, hanging out with their friends, um, so on and so forth, all for a good connection. Now, what's fascinating is what men said, right? Like, how did it differ? Well, it didn't differ too much, except men's one, two, and three was sleep, number one, number two, sex, and number three was the Internet. So what I concluded from all that is that the difference between men and women is basically sex versus showers. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we know they're connected. And just to put a number behind it, on average, women said that they spent 3.3 hours a day online for non-work-related activities. So that is huge. Um, And men were just a a, a tick higher at 3.5. So women are clearly highly connected. 
Oh, yeah, highly connected and willing to forego pretty much everything. <laughs> pretty, pretty much everything for, for a All those things that I love and value in the world anyway. Um, you know, uh, we just have a few more minutes, but I know that in that study too, one of the things that jumped out at me was that loyalty kind of needs to be reconsidered. And one of the things I know that you've talked about before is a relevancy program. Talk a little bit about what a relevancy program is. Yeah, well, one of the things that we realized is Digital, aside from the way in which women are, are, you know, literally interacting with digital, what it is doing is it's speeding up the pace of our lives and changing what we consider to be historical or the time that constitutes loyalty. As everything is moving faster and faster, we're getting a real relative sense of timelines. So, for example, you know, um, there's this phenomenon of accelerated nostalgia where it wasn't a majority of consumers, but 36% of women said that they consider what happened last year to be historical, right? So, so much is happening so quickly that all of a sudden, you know, a year ago is history. So, what does that mean for loyalty? Well, when we asked, how loyal are you to brands? And we gave them a 10-point scale. What we found was that, on average, women reported being relatively loyal to brands. Not hugely so, but on average, they were roughly around a 7. So, that's not so bad. Um but what is interesting is then we said, okay, how do you define loyalty? And, you know, how long do you need to be loyal to a brand in order for that to be considered, you know, brand loyal? And 67% of women defined loyalty to a brand in six months to a year. Wow. So this was like an aha moment, right? Wow. <laughs> because think about all of the brands out there that are putting millions and millions and millions of dollars into their loyalty programs. And they want to build these loyal consumers who say that they, they are loyal, but they're defining loyalty very narrowly. It's not defined in years or decades anymore. It's seasons. And so our takeaway from that is that at a time when, you know, digital has democratized everything and set up the pace of our lives, brands have to change the idea of loyalty programs because loyalty programs put the onus on the consumer to be loyal to the brand. Brands actually need to work to be more relevant to the consumer. The onus has to come back on the brands. They need to be exactly where their consumer is, when their consumer needs them, with that perfect product that has a meaning and a significance to that consumer. The more relevant they are, the more that they're going to end up winning over consumers today. So I think it's just a shift, um, a little bit of a paradigm shift of like taking the onus off the consumers to be loyal because they're not necessarily loyal they are churning through things pretty quickly and putting the onus on the brands and to be more relevant. But I should say just one other thing, that six months to a year, quite frankly, if you think about how many new brands are introduced in six months mm -hmm. to a year and how many marketing messages women are bombarded with across screens, actually that does feel pretty loyal because there's more stuff coming at them. So to stick with a brand for six months to a year does feel relatively loyal compared to how you know, it used to be. So that was the idea of a relevancy program. Ah, oh, fascinating. It's the six months to year is, is so scary for someone like me who counsels clients on these kinds of things, on, on loyalty programs and how to engage in meaningful ways. And to know that that's the short cycle, I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty uh, eye-opening. Melissa, you've well, given us a ton to think about today. I mean, I just... Uh, would love to be able to spend an hour talking about all of this. And we didn't even get to all the questions and all the topics I wanted to go over today. But thank you so much. Great insights. Clearly, you're doing a ton of research there that is um, informing um, not only the people that you do work with, but 
listeners today um, to First Strings. Lots of really good insights. Thank you for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to George, my producer, for another great show. Join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. <music>